guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week, we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Hey guys, welcome back to another week of Killer Cocktails. This is Drea. This is Jackie. And we've made it to episode 41. Hey ho. Yay. Um, it is also 4th of July. Happy 4th, everybody. Happy America's birthday, everybody. It's going to be 4th of July in a couple days. I hope you all are going to have so much fun. Perfect. Because today is not 4th of July. No, today's Monday before 4th of July. Got it's it. It's going to be on Thursday. <laughs> Here's a little secret for you guys. These aren't live. <laughs> we, we record these way in advance because we also have lives yeah <laughs> um so yeah we are drinking the liberty liberty the liberty the liberty the li- uh, uh, here's why it's extra funny <laughs> because not only is it a play on liberty yeah right but also what kind of history does america have with tea oh my god the boston tea party threw it out the water can't take our tea away god damn it no taxation without representation <laughs> You can't take our liquor away. God damn it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we are drinking the Liberty. These are really tasty. Dangerously tasty. So tasty. So here's my take on this. Okay. We're it, we're drinking Arnold Palmer's. Mm-hmm. It is half iced tea, half lemonade for the most part. Mm-hmm. Then we've got some wild turkey bourbon. Two different kinds. And then some wild turkey honey, which adds this extra sweetness mm-hmm. to it. We got some basil got in there. basil and lemon. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... It's, it's refreshing. The recipe actually called for double what we actually made, but we made like we um, didn't need a we didn't need God, that big a picture no, of this no, stuff. No, 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 no. <laughs> it is bomb.com, but yeah. Like if I had a deck, I would. I want a front porch. I'm out there on a rocking chair. Yeah, I'm drinking. I'm drinking this. I'm getting a little shwasty. But if you were having like a big party mm-hmm. and you had a lot of people, where mm. then it would make sense to make that big picture. Yeah, of it. you're all gonna play croquet le- later. Oh, lawn games. Badminton. I love, yes. I don't think I've ever Bocce played ball? a game of badminton where I didn't have a hole in my... Oh, you're intense. No, what I'm saying is like, they're hard to hit. And I always feel oh. like there's a hole in my racket. <laughs> I, was, I thought you meant hole in your pants. No. And you're like <laughs> diving for this birdie and stuff. I do get very competitive about games, but I like don't play... I don't like to do stuff I'm terrible at that I can't get better at. Mm-hmm. And I've pretty much written off badminton. Oh, I yeah. can't... I can hold my own with a mm-hmm. good game of uh, bocce, but... Badminton is too hard. <laughs> yeah, I haven't played that in forever. In PE, did you guys play milk jugs? Oh my god. Jackie? So I'm pretty sure my teacher made this up. Oh, I'm sure he did. <laughs> yeah, you knew it was a man. Well. <laughs> it's actually called, I couldn't remember, It's it was bleacher ball. You take like a Clorox bleach canister. Uh-huh. And all the bleach is gone. Go sleep, go sleep, go sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and all the bleach is gone. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Turn it upside down. Yeah. And now cut the top off of it. Or maybe make a scoop a loop. And essentially it's like you, Oh, it's you like put a, a tennis ball la- in lacrosse it. Kinda? Yeah, yeah. And you'd like it was like you know The poor man's poor lacrosse. Poor kids lacrosse. I like it. Milk jugs. It was so fun. Where's the milk jug coming out? It's not even a milk jug. It's not. I w- you know, that's how your mind categorizes mm-hmm. things. I said milk jugs. It got my brain there. Then I went, it's bleacher ball. <laughs> you, use, you use bleacher okay. and tennis ball. Yeah. All right. That's... But you got real nervous about me asking <laughs> if you'd ever played milk jugs with a PE teacher. 
<laughs> no, no, that's where you at. So overall, I would recommend this cocktail. Oh yeah, I think we're already loosey goosey. I I really like it because of the basil and the honey flavors. I don't think I have a refined enough palate to be picking those out. Oh well, to me it tastes like a delicious Arnold Palmer. It's like someone put extra snazz into. <laughs> snatch snatch okay all right guys it is fourth of july well normally we do a history of we do a history of the drink yeah but this doesn't have one because wild turkey made it up Mm -hmm. um yeah so wild turkey if you want to get this recipe we'll post it otherwise credit to wild turkey for coming up with it we got it on liquor.com but i think shout out and kudos to wild turkey so in honor of fourth of july yeah in our great nation you know, Canada, you're amazing. Europe, you're amazing. Everyone's amazing. Yeah, but, but today, there's only, you know, so many fruited plains <laughs> and Purple Mountains majesties. <laughs> yes. Um, so today is our independence celebration. So we're going to talk about us for a little bit because we don't talk about us enough. No, you never hear about America. <laughs> America who? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to tell you a little America fact. America fact. America facts. <laughs> Only John Hancock actually signed the Declaration of Independence on July 4th of 1776. All the others signed later. You mean Herbie Hancock. Excuse me? <laughs> it's also from Tommy Boy. Oh my God. It's a real Tommy Boy day for me. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. America fact. Fireworks are part of the tradition of celebrating this national holiday. The U.S. imported 2723 million dollars worth of fireworks from china in 2012 hmm. mm-hmm. crazy crazy yeah now while we're talking about fireworks and fire this country keeps catching on fire so let's be incredibly careful with these fireworks uh, yes our state's on fire all summer long california i'm looking at you california watch Calm yourself they're already down. on fire right now there's a fire going in northern oh. california so everyone needs to cool it yeah and be real safe yeah america fact barbecue is also big on independence day approximately 150 million hot dogs and 700 million pounds of chicken are consumed on this day wow Ugh. i mean i mean i'm gonna eat it yeah it's fourth of july without a little barbecue america fact eating salmon on the fourth is a tradition in new england I why is that not a thing everywhere? I love me some salmon. We have so much salmon over here. Mm-hmm. Let's have salmon on Fourth of July. Okay. There we go. It's been settled. Oh, it's story time. Story time. Ba da 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 da. Story time. Ba da ba da ba da 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 da. Oh, it's a map of mountain biking. Anyone can tell me what that song is from? That little jingle. Oh, if we can figure out Dre's jingle. Ba da da. You win a sticker. But yeah, if you can name Drea's jingle, mm-hmm. you win a sticker. Drea, give them a little hum a couple bars. I'm doing it wrong. Oh, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> Here's what I know. I know that you're whatever song you think it is, you're yeah. mildly off of. <laughs> given how Game of Thrones went. <laughs> that was a two-man show. Correct. <laughs> All right. Okay, it's murder time, you guys. It's murder time. So freshen up your cocktails. Yeah. Settle on in, because we're about to tell you some doozies. Mine's crazy, and there's. I'll warn you when it gets gross. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, and the tone will be that all of this is insane, but underlying of all of this is like, this is sad. Yeah. I mean, they all. They all are sad. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm going to tell you about Jared Wyatt and his friend Taylor Powell. Okay. Um, they were both MMA fighters. 
and they were living in Northern California. Mm-hmm. And we're talking Northern California. They were, uh, well, I'll get to the cities, but like practically Oregon. Okay. And on the coast. Got it. Um, Taylor lived in Crescent City, which like, I don't think there's another city between Crescent City and Oregon. Or if there is, it's even smaller than Crescent City. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jared lived in, I don't know how to, Requa? I'm, you know, Jared lived in what is essentially, I think, an enclave of Klamath, California. Okay. Uh, looking at a map, I think it's like a little neighborhood. Klamath is the bigger of the cities. And that's about 30 minutes south of Crescent City. So uh, Taylor lives right up by the Oregon border, and then 30 minutes south is where Jared lives. And it's, they're both coastal towns. Um, they're sparring partners. So they're both into MMA. Um Jared is older. Jared's like 26-ish at the time, and Taylor's 21. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jared is doing really well. So, like, his trainer is saying, like, he's like two or three fights. He's undefeated. He's about two or three fights away from the UFC. Like, dude is on the upswing. Great kid. Taylor's a great kid. Uh, speaks, you know, highly of them. So, on the evening of March 21st, and I feel like this is in like 2010-ish. I think that's the year that this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, a group of people are at Jared's house. So Taylor's there, another male acquaintance, and Jared's ex-girlfriend. So okay. the four of them are all at Jared's house. And they all drink some magic mushroom tea. Oh, no. And that's my tie, tea. Oh, there you go. Um, so there's Shruman. The ex said that Jared had been in a really good mood before ingesting the tea. Okay. And is this like a normal occurrence? Like they I, they take it regularly. We're gonna kind of get a sense that I think drug use is a part of their lives. Okay. Um, I don't I don't know about the other ones, but Jared at least has a history with drugs. Okay. So they they ingest this tea, and the ex is saying that the three men's behavior almost immediately changes after they've started drinking this tea. And she's drinking it too. She's drinking it too. Okay. So everybody is hallucinating. Okay. Um. Jared begins to complain that his eyes are burning. Oh, no. And he tries to prevent. So the third guy's like, I am out of here. I need to leave. Okay. So he goes to leave. And Jared, like, jumps on top of his moving car. He's like, you can't go. But the guy does leave. Okay. So that guy leaves. And now it's Jared and Taylor and the ex. So uh, when later questioned by police, he says, uh, Jared saying, I didn't want him to go because I was convinced a tidal wave was coming. Okay. And I was trying to save him from the tidal wave that's coming. So when Jared gets back inside, Taylor holds Jared down on the ground on the kitchen floor and he's saying that none of them are going to get saved from the wave and that the world's coming to an end. Oh, no. So then Jared starts to yell at Taylor to go get his guitar. He's like, go get your guitar. We need your guitar. I mean, they're just all all over the place. And uh, Taylor gets really upset and he starts yelling, you want to fucking die? Do you want to fucking die? And he just keeps yelling that at Jared. So... Jared tells police uh, that he was tormented by spirits in the house and that uh, Satan was in that dude. And he's referring to Jared. Mm. So they fight to the point like now they're like they've got each other in chokeholds. Like they're using MMA like they're both trained fighters and they're fighting in this kitchen. The ex testifies that they're wrestling on the kitchen floor. But then later she came in. It's not, and I think she's, at first I was like, dude, she's a terrible witness. Like, she's like walking away. But now I'm kind of getting, she's off in her own world mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So then she, they're fighting one minute, but then she comes back and they're like sitting at the kitchen table talking about surfing. Okay. So she's not concerned about them anymore. Now they're kind of getting along again. 
Um, then she leaves. Then she comes back and Taylor is standing over Jared spitting on him. And she goes, and I heard what sounded like, she goes, I heard sounds that, that I thought were of a sexual nature. Okay. So she, so she like thinks she's walking in on something. So she leaves. Okay. At around so four. She, she said he's spitting on him. She sees Taylor, the younger of the two guys uh-huh. standing over him spitting or she hears him spitting. Okay. And Again, then you kind of know. You kind of don't really okay. know. She thinks she hears these noises. She doesn't see anything. She doesn't really know. Okay. Um, but whatever it is, she's like, I don't, I'm not going to be in there. Okay. Then at about 4:20 a.m., I think it's her that calls. She calls the police. Okay. When they arrive, they find uh, Jared standing over Taylor. Okay. So it's reverse of before. He's naked. He's covered in blood, and he says, "I killed him." <gasps> Um, and then he asked the police if they were God coming to save him. Oh. Attention. This is very graphic and horrible. Uh, what police have kind of gathered and put together is that Jared beat Taylor in the face. Yeah. And then he, uh, he cut a 16-inch, I think, oh. like gash in his torso. Yeah. And removed his heart. But before he'd done that, he had cut out his tongue and his eyes. And then later, oh. I think I, I say it again later, but he... Uh, when asked why he did that, he's because he thought he had killed him. Yeah. Like when he beat him, when he beat him up, he yeah. thought that, that had stopped Satan. And then he said, but he kept trying to like whisper at me. Oh, no. So I had to take. So he was still alive. Yeah. And so. Oh. uh, And then he was like super concerned because then the heart was still beating because apparently that's a thing that can still happen when the heart yeah. is out. Like. Yeah. So then he threw those body parts all into like a little wood wood burning fire because he was like all of this stuff is still alive and it needs to not be he's freaking out yeah so then um and he keeps saying that like he needed to stop the devil it's all about the devil and that like everything is related to that um so his attorney is later going to argue that he's having a psychotic break okay and that he's incapable at the time of understanding what was going on at all um a judge ruled that he was that he needed to go to trial, that he was sane, and that that's not an excuse. That's so hard, though, because you're, like, on a hallucinogenic. You don't have any control, depending yeah. on how much you've taken. Well, like, my understanding is, like, normally people don't get, like, homicidal and, like, crazy. Like, I guess I don't really understand mushrooms that well. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like But I think this is a have, unique situation. Yeah, I feel like people can have a good trip or a bad trip, but I don't know to what extent. Yeah. Like... You know, but like if you, if you're scared to the point, yeah, you're scared and, you, and you're and you, a trained fighter and you believe it like in your head, like it's real, yeah. like I could see it's you taking any measure to protect yourself and like, yeah, you know what I mean? So like a bunch of this. So there were a ton of like little articles. So there's a local newspaper called the Del Norte uh, Triplicate. Okay. I think that's how you say it. Um, and they had a ton of articles that were super helpful and like, cause that's the local paper up there. So they would have. Like, this is the newest, you know, like all the updates kind of came through them. And then I think Deadspin had an article that had all the like really horrible details Mm -hmm. um, of what happened. So when he goes to, so he gets arrested and when he goes, so he's like going through the, that process. Um, Originally, Jared wants the district attorney, Mike Reese, pulled off the case. He says, I don't want that guy prosecuting me because five years ago we were both at a drug house where everyone was doing meth. Whoa. Whoa. So I really don't think it's appropriate that he's DA and he's prosecuting me Whoa. because he wants to shut me up. 
he doesn't want me talking about how he's a drug addict. Yeah. He wants to put me away. So he has to get removed from the case. I need a different And prosecutor. he says that's the reason. He's yeah. like, whoa. So then Reese, the t- attorney, he's like, this isn't true. This is an attempt. He wants to get me removed so that he'll, so I'll be replaced with a prosecutor who doesn't have the experience that I have. He mm-hmm. thinks that this is a way of getting away with this. Uh, definitely not. Definitely not. Do you think it's true? So Jared's declaration. So this is like he wrote this out and sent this into court. So quote. He was on the sofa with three with three others dressed in what I considered courthouse attire or similar professional clothing. Um, I took note of them because I didn't really expect professional people to be hanging out at a speed party like this. And Mr. Reese's presence in particular was a big topic of conversation outside. After seeing Mr. Reese hanging out with us and using drugs, the conversation in the car was entirely about him being there and the lack of law enforcement up here in Northern California and how weird it was to see Reese using drugs when he's supposedly the D.A., Whoa! Doesn't that sound pretty bad? So, do they have like what's the your whole take on this spinoff court thing? What do you think comes of? Any I think of they're like, gonna. Do you think the I dude... think they're gonna have to start an investigation. Okay, so DA is a, a people vote people into that position. Yeah, it's an elected position. Yeah. So, uh, and it's and Reese keeps saying like this is political in nature. I'm up for re-election. You're just trying like this is political. You're trying to sink me. He loses re-election, uh-huh. and the next guy that comes up is this guy um, Alexander. So, when I was like, do I think this guy? So then I just googled Mike Reese's name, like Mike Reese attorney, and I yeah. and I find this article from the Del Norte Triplicate about what a shit show the DA's office is in this county. Yeah. Okay, so. Uh, this article is talking about the new DA whose last name is Trigg and how he's stepping down because, uh, he's upset about like pay disputes. He makes $17,000 less a year than his assistant DA. Wow. So like he's the DA. Yeah. And he makes 17,000 And he makes less than. Wow. So he's like, I can't, I've done this for years. You guys keep saying that like the budgetary stuff and people have to get voted into these to them. But like, I'm done waiting. Yeah. So I'm done. And everyone was like, oh my God, he was the saving grace because he's replacing the former district attorney, John Alexander. Uh-huh. Uh, so John Alexander was running against Reese. And these guys are just like, it's like small town drama. They have it out for each other. They're running for the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, John Alexander was stripped of his law license. For prosecutorial misconduct and escorted from the premises. Basically, he was caught burying exculpatory evidence um, that would have exonerated someone from drug charges. Whoa. Um, He didn't realize that someone was wearing a wire. Oh. So they got him on tape essentially being like, I don't care about whatever. Like, that person can still go to jail. They're a bad person. (gasps) That's not right. This is like a TV show. Yeah. What the hell? Okay, so... John Alexander, so like, and that was like, I would see different DA names associated with this trial because the guy's been on trial for a long time. Like, yeah. it's a long process. Yeah. So it starts with Mike Reese. It ends up with John Alexander. Um, and then this county, unrelated to this case, had this other guy. So now, like, they're just, they're kind of rolling through DAs here. Okay, so John Alexander was the replacement for Michael Reese. Michael Reese, so the original guy where he was like, that guy was in the drug house with me. Yeah. He faced his own issues uh, with prescription drug use. Uh, at one point, county officials urged him to take a leave of a, leave of a, leave of absence due to erratic work behavior. Um, so Reese brings a civil suit against Alexander. He's like, "This guy just wants my job. He yeah. keeps saying all this stuff about me, 
And all the stuff he's saying about him is also kind of what this prisoner is now saying about oh. him. Um, so he brings this civil suit uh, saying county officials are after me that they charged me with drunk driving and I wasn't drunk. And they said that I had public intoxication and child endangerment following this incident in 2001. Okay. Or season, 2011. Yeah. Um, so basically at a Safeway, he's super disoriented. He's with his kids. Um, he's acting really weird in this grocery store, and an employee thinks he's being so strange they call 911. Okay. Um, a court summary of the event states that a Safeway employee told uh, officers that Reese appeared confused and disoriented, had difficulty standing in place, and was unable to slide his credit card through the card machine. Oh, that's not good. Um, he was also... Uh, una- is this the one that's the meth situation? This is the meth house okay. one. He's also unable to use his cell phone. So an officer had to call his girlfriend to come take him home. What? Because he's the DA. What? He's the DA. Of course. Of course. Not just gonna, of course. Yeah. So then because that's kind of drama, then someone's Ugh. like, no, he needs. And that's why they're like, this is a vendetta against Reese. You can't just bring up these DUI charges. He didn't get charged at the time. Yeah. And he's like, he should have been charged at the time. Yeah. So this Alexander guy, it's kind of like, does he have a vendetta against Reese? He's also this kind of smarmy guy that obviously doesn't. He like it's any at any cost. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I just thought that was crazy. Wow. So it's Alexander who's the current DA at the time when he gets Jared to uh, plead guilty. So mm-hmm. he pleads guilty um, because he doesn't essentially he's like they're tacking so much. They keep like they include mayhem charges and torturing and all this so he's like if we can drop some of this stuff and just say i did kill him i want to be able to be paroled sometime yeah so he gets paroled in like 47 years okay. in like 20 some odd whatever um and did he 2062 have... is his first he's at san quentin and he Whoa, can get out san in quentin. 2062 did he have any priors to this like with the law and stuff there's not it's hard to get info on his life like you can get a little bit about the fighting but yeah that's so that's so sad like to it's think so, so if you like because like taylor's family mm-hmm. is like the mom she got really bent out of shape with the da because she was like you won't let me talk to the family i need to let jared's family know how heartbreaking this is for everyone yeah. i know their family's destroyed yeah my family's destroyed yes. there's a lot of guilt of like she would talk to Taylor all the time, but she's like, I hadn't visited him in Crescent City. They live in, in like Tacoma, Washington. Yeah. Um, she's an opto- She works in an optometry office, mm. and she's like, it was really hard at work to like look at eyes and know mm. what happened to my son. It's sad. Cause like think you you like you're hanging out with some friends. You you think you all are gonna have a great night. Like it's gonna, yeah. You're gonna ha- go down this trip together, mm-hmm. and it just turns into it a complete nightmare. Yeah. Oh, God. that And so so sad for both of the families. And what a weird inside look at, like, the corruption of the DA's office. It was crazy, the little small town and it's drama weird. Like, of that. What are the odds that that guy would be up for those charges against that DA? You know what I mean? Like, But it's small. It's a small town. Like, yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. So if I imagine the circles of, like, speed houses and all that. I don't know how many there are. but And why do you go to a speed house in your DA's outfit? What are you doing? He's obviously a bold oh, fellow. You know what? Like, if you're in the throes of addiction, and yeah. like, there's um, not yeah. a lot of common yeah. sense going on. That's true. Dude, Jackie, that was a, that was a really good story. This is crazy. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Okay. And we'll be back after these credits. 
Hey guys, this is a part where podcasts normally break in with an advertisement, uh, but we're just going to advertise ourselves. Because why not? Yeah. It's our podcast. Thank you. Doing the damn thing. So if you love our little amazing logo that Michelle Fern made for us, mm-hmm. pop onto our website, get yourself a sticker. It's only a couple bucks. Um, and if you haven't yet, please jump on and throw some stars and a little review. It means the world to us. Not only does it like excite us and make our week, mm-hmm. uh, but it also helps move, move us up in the rankings and gives yeah. our podcast more exposure to more people. Yeah. And that's on iTunes, by the way. Yeah. And yeah, if you haven't already also, go check up our, on our Instagram. We got some cool content there. And I love chatting with you guys. Shoot a little message because <laughs> Drea will 100% talk to you. Um, but yeah, you guys, this has been an awesome experience. Thank you for all your support. Everybody out there. Yay. Hey guys, we're back from our break. Um, I'm going to jump into my story. Okay. Um, okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Here we go. So, Maria Ibanez is born in 1957 in Davenport, Iowa to Catherine and Bernardo, aka Bernie. And okay. she has two sisters. She has Tina and Heather, and she has a brother named Roger. Her father is a veteran of World War II. Uh, when he gets back, he has a short temper and he eventually starts working at an Oscar Meyer plant, which <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me. I just feel like factory work is not for yeah. someone who has a short temper. Um, and he's there for the next 30 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so most nights he gets off work. He's had a long day. Yeah. He comes home. And he starts drinking heavily. Um, this usually leads to him beating his wife and children. Mm. So much so that he'll beat them until he gets tired and just passes out. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's a crazy sentence. And it's like, essentially, this is like every night. Jeez. And so Bernie is arrested on several occasions, once for beating Maria's two-year-old brother, Roger, so bad that Roger's Maria eyes... Maria being two-year-old? Like, mm-hmm. how? Mm-hmm. He beats Roger so bad that his eyes swell up. Jeez. And, uh, like, shut. Like, he can't yeah. see. And as the kids get older, Roger becomes the main target for physical abuse and Bernie, this little baby boy? Uh-huh. He's like the only boy in the house, so okay. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know where the logic's coming yeah, from. Yeah, let's say you're not on this baby. Not, he's not he's getting the, yeah. the the brute force of the physical abuse. And yeah. so Bern, uh, Bernie routinely whips him with a metal belt buckle or with a stick Jeez. or with his fists. And eventually Maria's parents start going through a nasty divorce. Her mom's like, I can't take this anymore. I'm taking my mm-hmm. kids away from you. We're getting out. And Maria's 16 at this point, and she's supposed to testify against her father in court. Oh, that's so hard. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, uh, Maria is staying with a foster family. So it's just, it's kind of all over the board. I don't know where the other kids are at this point, but she's in a foster home. Okay. Um, so as the court date gets closer, Maria's five-year-old cousin is hit by a car. And so Maria's mother goes to spend time with that part of the family okay. at the hospital. And a few days later, her cousin dies. Okay. And so Maria's mother stays there for another week, and uh, they're getting ready for the funeral. And on June 13th, 1973, at 12.30 a.m., Maria walks out of her foster parents' home. She's barefoot, and she's wearing jeans and a blouse, and she is soon a missing person. How old is she? She's 16. And for the next four years, the, coast, the case goes cold until two men are out hunting on November, on November 5th, 1977, and they stumble upon a skeleton in a farm field about one mile north of New Liberty, Iowa, in Scott County. Liberty. Liberty is my tie. Uh, the remains lay partially hidden in a shallow grave. Cause of death is ruled as strangulation by a belt. So, 
they find this body mm-hmm. and they can't identify the body yet. Okay. And so local paper is like, hey, let us run the story. Yeah. We'll do some we'll evidence, to, tidbits, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So the body was found with a couple of rings and like they're pretty distinctive rings. Okay. And so they show a picture of that in the article and a former boyfriend sees it and he's like, those were Maria's. Like that's oh. Maria's body. And so they pull up some dental records and they compare them and um, they realize it is Maria's body. It's a match. And this whole process from finding the body until like finally identifying her takes over a year mm-hmm. for the whole thing. So Davenport police suspect that Maria's father killed her, saying Bernie had been allegedly molesting Maria and her siblings for years. Mm. So there's a lot of physical and sexual abuse going Mm on. And the scope of the abuse wouldn't fully be known, however, until another murder occurred within the family. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to jump back. More like forward. I'm going to jump forward in time, but I'm going to talk about someone else. Back to the future. Back to the future. (laughs) So I'm going to talk to you about Roger, which was a two-year-old. So Mm. this is Maria's brother. He's now older. So when she was 16 Uh and went missing, Uh Roger was about how old? Do we know about the age difference? Uh, I don't. Like 10-ish years or more? Like a big gap, right? We don't know. I have no idea. Okay. So it doesn't really matter. So Roger grows up and right out of high school, he joins the army and he marries his longtime sweetheart, Julie Toland, and they go overseas and he's in the military doing that. And then when they get back, they just start moving around a ton. And I mean, like 35 different places in 16 years. So they're like, bop, 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 bop. not army related. Mm-mm. And Roger uses four different aliases during some shady business deals. People moving around a lot mm-hmm. has surfaced in prior stories. Mm-hmm. So money is always tight for the couple. And Roger, he's like trying all sorts of things. He's trying to sell insurance to soldiers. Um, he tries to do like a bakery at some point and he goes bankrupt. He's wheeling a deal. He's wheeling, yeah. And so Julie is this really devout Christian who gives Roger like endless grief for listening to rock music and gambling. So there's a lot of, it's just like very tumultuous like between each other. And so the couple isn't really getting along. And to add to this, Roger is super controlling and he has to have his house how he likes it. Like if you do the dishes, they have to be washed this way. They have Mm -hmm. to be dried that way. Okay. And the thermostat is locked to his setting. There's no like if, ands, or buts. It's 70 year round. (laughs) And uh, if you don't comply to this, he will smack you, punch you, or give you like a good choke hold just to kind of teach you a lesson. As was taught to him as a child. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, they end up having a child Mm. and his name is Nathan. By the time Nate is three, both of his parents are routinely beating him with their fists and belts. The mom is too. Mm -hmm. They both are. Yeah. And so one time Nate even woke up to his dad strangling him while he was sleeping. Woke up to that? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was sleeping and his dad came in and just started. Time to choke this kid. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. When Nate turns five, his parents begin sexually molesting him in the shower. Jesus. Um, His dad. So then his dad becomes like in and out of the picture. He's like off doing business stuff or him and his uh, wife are fighting. And so his mom becomes physically abusive to Roger or to Nate even more. And he, she's like, you've ruined my life. I never want to have, like, have you and blah, blah, blah. And by the time he reaches middle school, she starts threatening to kill herself by, like, driving head on into traffic. Jeez. And so at this point, Roger is, like, back with the family. And, like, they're going down the highway. And they're getting into an argument. And she, like, grabs the wheel. And they're going 70 miles per hour. And she's trying to, like, plunge them off the side of a bridge. And this actually happens a couple times. Mm-hmm. 
you don't get to ride in cars anymore. Yeah, you don't get to be in the front <laughs> seat. I'm sorry. And so, um, like, I don't know, there are just tons of abuse. And then, like, one time Nate is out mowing the lawn, and Roger sees him, and he's just like, you're not mowing it correctly, and, like, pulls oh, him off the lawnmower yeah. and just starts beating him, like, right there in the yard. Oh, he's, like, mopping the floor one time, trying to do chores again. He's Roger's like, not pleased. Being a good kid, he's doing chores. Mm-hmm. So Roger and Julie... They just become very controlling of Nate, and they're like, you can't, you can't even talk to your Christian schoolmates, don't confide in your teachers, and they, like, just yeah, try to limit all, yeah, yeah, they're just trying to control every aspect, so, you know, the secrets don't get out, apparently. Um, and also, so Nate's mom gets super needy, so when Roger is gone off on whatever trips he is, she, I don't know. She's just kind of like, woe is me. Like, we're we're in this together. It's just us. I don't think it's Munchausen. Okay. But it's definitely, it's kind of like borderline. Okay. And then because she's so sad and, like, manipulative, she kind of, that's when the her sexual abuse starts getting worse with Nate. Okay. Um, and all the while, Nate is described as a sweet and well-mannered boy, the kind of young man other parents admired and wished their sons were like. Ugh. And so the abuse continues and worsens over the years, and people in Nate's life can see that something's wrong and that there is abuse going on, and they keep contacting police and child welfare. Really? But nothing comes of it. Mm. And I'm going to kind of tell you about the time of what's going on. So in the mid-80s, there were roughly 4,400 inmates in this live-and-let-live state. A decade later, that number was over 11,000. And a Colorado, and so Colorado is just like hemorrhaging money. They can't keep up with the influx of inmates. And so social services tank and at-risk kids are like left stranded, uh, particularly abused boys over the age of, age of 13, whom the state decided were sufficiently grown enough to fend off their attackers. Wow. This mm-hmm. is in the 80s? Mm-hmm. Imagine, that's like a person with a job making that decision. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. So the abuse continues and he's around. I can't get over that. The balancing of budgets and the moving of pencils and like, Mm -hmm. that's crazy. I mean, it's easy to, you know, say that when you're not in the thralls of it. You know, you're just be like, oh, I have to make this bottom line. So I'm not going to even, you can detach yourself at some point. I mean, that is what's happening. Yeah. I'm not just crazy at all. Yeah. So the uh, abuse continues, and he's around 15 to 16 years old, and he finally makes a friend at school. And this kid's name is Eric, and he's, like, the complete opposite. He has both both parents at home. They're very wealthy. He, I don't know, it's just complete opposite. And uh, they start a band together, and them and a couple of their friends, and he's finally starting to have a semblance of a real life. And, you know, he's starting to dabble into drugs and alcohol. There's kind of girls in and out, but he's kind of too shy to talk to them. And so the next nine months just become this constant, like, fighting at home because he's starting to see that he can have his own yeah, presence, like, his own identity. Yeah, this is a normal household. Yeah. It mm-hmm. sh- can be and should be this other way. And, and in the meantime, his mom is just like, no, like, you need to be here. Like, mm-hmm. you can't talk to people. Like, you have to be home at this time. Very strict. And so Nate just starts running away. And, like, one time his dad was beating him, and so he just runs out of the house. He's barefoot. He runs across town to Eric's house, and his parents open the door, and they see that he, he has scars on his backs from his beatings. So they call the police, and the police come to their house, and they take him back 
to his parents and they're like you are harboring a fugitive he oh needs to be god. living with his parents oh my god this is still 80s yeah mm-hmm. and so nate's parents are like if you aren't gonna listen to us we're gonna send you to a christian boot camp and uh, one night in the middle of the night, he's like sleeping and they like grab him from bed and they throw him in the back of the car mm-hmm. and they drive him like six hours away. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this is the camp. Good luck. And he's just begging like, don't leave me here. Don't leave me. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll do anything. I'll be good. I'll be good. And so they're finally like, OK, fine. You get one more chance. And so they go, they go back home. And um, but of course, that's not going to work out. He's still trying to be his own person. And so um, he's leaving for school one day and his mom's just like, you know what? I've had it. You're going to the Christian boot camp. Like, this is it. And so he leaves the house and he comes back later with Eric. And he's like, wait out here. If I'm not back in 20 minutes, come get me. I'm going to go get a duffel. I'm running away for good this time. Okay. And poor Eric is high as a kite right now, sitting in this car. And so he's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. And Nate's not coming back. There's no concept of time. No concept of time. Have it's I been, been five hours. Years? It's been 10 minutes. <laughs> and so he finally makes his way to the house and he walks in and he finds Nate. And Nate has taken some tongs from the fireplace and like bashed in his mother's skull Whoa. and strangled her to death. Whoa. And, and like Eric kind of has a, a, I handed it in some way, but it's not quite clear what happened. Yeah. But essentially, overall, Nate has... Mom died. Nate has murdered his mother. So Nate is arrested in the early morning hours the following day on January 27th, 2000. Sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And Eric got the same sentence. Eric got the same sentence? Mm-hmm. So they just tried him together? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they tried him together, but That's yeah. That's wild. I don't know, because you're 16, they're real 16, 15, yeah. to be, and then they're sent to adult prison. Yeah. And then, I don't know, that's just, it's one of those hot topic issues, like, do we have the death penalty or not, or blah, blah, yeah. blah, like, do we try children as adults and never give them the possibility of parole, but mm-hmm. then you have to look at the crime and see how heinous it is, you know? I don't think they should have the same sentence, based on what you've told me, and I don't know... You know when you hear those crazy... I'm going to say something I don't even agree with. When you hear, like, Nate is probably never going to kill anybody else mm-hmm. that was so rooted in the mo- yeah what had happened to him and mm-hmm. what was going on. And I'm sure he's, like, packing up a bag and he's going to leave. And she's been, like... That whole scenario makes sense. Like, I don't know that he's a danger to society mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. That's so... I don't... But then th- that argument's been made before where, like, people will be released and they'll mm-hmm. be like, you know what, they're not a danger because this was specific. And then they're, they are a danger they're, yeah. and they do other stuff. So I just, oh. And so I found this next part really interesting. His defense attorney never presents any of the physical abuse as evidence in Nate's case. Was he not allowed to? I don't know. But, like, that's your motive, you yeah. know? Like. Not that I'm condoning him killing no, no, his no, mother, no. but sometimes they have rule like a judge won't allow you to bring up that stuff, yeah. like disparage the victim. Because they just want you to look at the crime here. Yeah, yeah. It's... Where, where to us, you yeah. like a, a person knowing a narrative and a story. You're like, no, there's so much more to you it. You have to know the whole picture. Yeah, it's kind of like if you were a juror and oh. you never got to hear. Oh that, my god! And then you put someone away for life, and yeah. you go, well, I feel a little differently had mm-hmm. I known X, Y, Z. Yeah. 
what is it robert durst is that him mm-hmm. like when they looked at his case and they're like no 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 no. we're just talking about what he did to the body after we're not going to yeah. talk about if he killed this person you don't get to hear about his missing wife yeah you don't yeah, get to hear about... have, yeah oh my god oh robert durst if you haven't checked out that case robert durst is a, yeah. a doozy after being in prison for a while, Nate later says, I'm safer here than I was at home. In that's jail, crazy. at least, I can see them coming. With my father, I just never knew. Oh, that's sad. Um, and so now we're kind of jumping back to, like, Nate's grandparents. So Catherine and Bernie, the okay. original kind of yeah. house of everything. So the former Catherine, um, who was married to Bernie, um was telling the Denver Post that her former husband was a jealous alcoholic who didn't like to let her leave the house. Bernie gave me black eyes, tried to kill me once or twice, and threatened to dump me in a ditch, she said. Bernie allegedly molested his daughter Maria for years, and when she ran away from home, he tracked her down, beat and choked her to death, then dumped her in a shallow grave. There's not a doubt in my mind that Bernie killed her, a law enforcement officer who worked on the case said. Wow. She was buried a long time, and we couldn't make the charge stick, but I know in my bones he did the crime. Bernie died June 29, 1999, at age 72 of early onset dementia, accused but never tried for his daughter's murder. Oof. Um, and so it is a cold case so if you have any information concerning this case please contact the uh, danvorport police department at 563-326-7979 or the scott county sheriff's office at 563-326-8625 and those numbers are current i looked them up crazy but yeah that is the case of maria even what a a mess of that whole family yeah it's just it kind of reminded me of um what was the one? Oh, Root of Evil, that whole podcast, how like it started with this couple, they had children, he was sexually abusive, mm. and then she went on to have children and she kind of repeated that cycle. I didn't keep, re- I need to listen to that one yeah. all the way through. Um, but yeah. Drea. We had some heavy ones this week. Farmertown story. <sighs> but a good one. You guys, do we need some self-care? Do you need a joke? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. You guys. Well, mainly Jackie. Jackie. Yeah. <laughs> what do you call a fake noodle? I don't know. It's- An impasta. <laughs> Did you hear about this? Is Did you hear about the kid uh-huh. who swallowed a film canister like the old school like when you're gonna go take film and get it developed like is this a joke <laughs> what is it did you hear about the kid who swallowed that no his mom gets super worried because that's like a relatively big thing to swallow she takes him to the er the doctor's like come down it'll be fine like let's go take him for an x-ray and see what develops <laughs> i couldn't tell you i couldn't tell if you're telling me a story or not oh my god that was good all right you guys there we go um what are you listening to what are you reading what are you watching what am i doing <laughs> I don't want to say it on there. I'll tell you later. Okay. What am I doing? What am I listening to? You know what I'm doing right now? I'm listening to a lot of, I wouldn't say self-help books, but yeah, self-help books. Not, But it's more like uh, fin- financial. Like there's, oh, okay. um, uh, what's his name? Tim Ferriss. He does like four hour work week and stuff. Okay. So it's very like motivating and like I'm listening to my free audio books from the local library. Yeah. And I, I'm listening to it at like 1.6 times the regular oh, speed. You feel so like I, you're getting... I'm just mowing through yeah. books. Yeah. So I feel kind of cool all right (laughs) 
but yeah educational yeah it's just telling you how to like automate your your businesses essentially got it yeah and i watched all the twilight movies (laughs) (laughs) that was what you didn't want to say (laughs) that's funny they're all on hulu god damn it (laughs) oh they're so bad but they're watchable such trash movies what are you doing uh i was telling you guys earlier i'm watching mad men oh yeah it's one of those i have like a certain bank of shows that i know i'll really like so i save them for when i want them uh and i knew i would like mad men and i am loving it why do you love it what's going on um there there here's what i'll say there is so much intention in everything that's happening in every scene Mm. in every episode like the show is built on an arc and like what people are wearing will play into music in the background. Mm. Things that are happening in the 60s at the time will parallel storyline. Like you can just tell it's written by a writer. Yeah. It's really great. That's It's rad. great. I like it. All right, you guys. This has been another week of Killer Cocktails. We'll catch you on the flip side. Boom, yeah. Wickety, wickety, whack. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, for up to date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at MichelleFirmDesign.com. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on hashtag Murder Mondays. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.